What is up, everybody? Thanks for being here today. We are going to talk about what foster care is. We're going to talk about why we got into foster parenting. And we're also going to give you guys some stats and some truths about foster care that Dan and I have experienced throughout our process. We're so excited to talk to you today, and we can't wait to get into this topic. One of the main topics today we're going to be talking about is really what is foster care. Josh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so just looking up that Google definition, it says foster care is a system in which a minor has been placed into a ward, group home, or private home of a state-certified caregiver, referred to as a foster parent, or with a family member approved by the state. So what that breaks down into is if a child is taken out of their home for any reason, um, just looking at some of the statistics, it's about 63% of that is neglect. And so if they're taken out of that home, they are placed into, they'll first look for a family member or close relative. That's going to be kinship care. Mm -hmm. That's going to be that family member approved by the state. Or if they can't find anybody, that's when they move into foster care. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you brought up a good point. I think it's good to talk about that real quick. There are three types in this and it's adoption fostering and kinship care is kind of really what we um, see a lot in this, in this type of thing, just in neglect alone. I mean, that's, that's crazy to think about. I know it gets put out in the public a lot that it's always about drugs. It's always about this and that, but just the fact of neglect is, is one of the largest reasons why is mind blowing to me. Yeah. And looking into that as well, drug abuse is one of the second things on that list. And so those are definitely two of the biggest things. And a lot of the reasons, you know, people here in Cincinnati uh, are, are losing custody of their kids to the county and to the state. And it's really sad to see, you know, a lot of this stuff is generational cycles that have gone on for, you know, not only the parents, but the grandparents as well. And so looking at that is that you know, the foster children that are going to be placed in our homes, they don't have a healthy view of what a family is, but also their parents don't. So their parents are doing the best they can with the resources that they know how to use. And a lot of times that's just not enough. And so instead of trying to figure out what a healthy family system is, they fall back on those things. And it may look like domestic violence. It may look like abuse in the home. It may look like drug use and a lot of times this could be a teacher or a neighbor or somebody like that calling and saying, hey, you know what? Susie next door is always left home by herself, and I always smell drugs when they're around. Would you guys look into this? And so the cops will go do their investigation. CPS gets involved, and they say, yep, this is not a safe fit for this kid. Let's try to find a family member or a licensed foster family. Absolutely. And, you know, going off those numbers, too, I was looking up. Um, in Hamilton County, that's in Cincinnati, that's like right downtown, there's 1,800 kids in foster care. 1,800 kids, that's a, that's a ton in one county. And, um, you know, we talked about this a little bit before off, off stream. The county can't just do all of that. You know, that's, that's just so many kids. That's too many kids for the county to handle. And that's where we kind of can talk a bit of uh, a tad bit later on is agencies and what that looks, what that looks like. But I wanted to go back to what you said before about um, neglect and stuff like that. So I know personally, I was living in an apartment and there was two young, two young boys that um, lived next door. Right. And their mom asked us, Hey, if I, 
if I'm not home or they get home before I do from school, is it cool if they come over to your guys' place? And we're like, absolutely. That's, that's totally fine. We had a roommate at the time that um, we told her the situation and stuff. And one day she went out there and saw the boys were hiding in a tree or were up in a tree. And she's like, why are you guys up in the tree? It's like, well, you guys weren't home and my mom's not home yet and stuff like that. So um, she called CPS on and it was a really, it was really, it was really sad because, you know, she got put in, I, I don't even know what happened there, but I know that there was some checks on her reg, like regularly and it really damaged our relationship. But we always keep going back to what's most important is the safety of the kids. The kids are most important in those in those situations. So when when we see the word neglect, you know, that's little things like that that don't seem crazy big to some people, but like what would happen if someone would just take those kids away and their parents never knew? Exactly. And so things like that, the story that you just told Dan, and there's so many other scenarios that they talk about. And I want to talk a little now about the licensing process and how to get licensed as a foster parent. Uh, the first thing I want to say is that each state has their own unique rules and laws on what you have to do. For Dan and I here in Ohio, there's 36 hours of training that have to happen, and the breakdown of that is 12 classes that are three hours long. Um, and if you're like me and you got lucky, uh, you were able to get licensed in a time where you could do those online. Dan, you probably did not have that uh, ability when you were getting licensed. <laughs> and so... Um, actually the first time that Emily and I went through the licensing process was in 2018, 2017. And so that was all in person. And then we had Jackson and then <laughs> we waited a little bit and then we were like, well, now let's do it. And they were like, Hey, you can do it online. So that was really awesome. I did get I, to do our recertification online. And so that was pretty go. great. And they gave us some options for, we can choose a little bit of our own, which was nice. I could choose something that I wasn't used to hearing you know, not just going through the same motions, you know. Right. Yeah. And that's super helpful. And so I think they're actually cutting away with a lot of that online stuff through the end of the year. And so if there's hours out there that you guys still have to get, uh, get those now and get those online, because uh, I, I believe at the end of this year, they're going to be cutting that off and making people go back into person starting next year. But during this licensing process and and, and the pre-placement training that we have, in these 36 hours, they talk about a whole slew of different topics. They talk about relationship with the foster kid. They talk about relationship with biological families. They talk about uh, how the effects of foster care are going to translate down mm -hmm. into your family, into your extended yep. family. Um, they talk about a lot of things that the biological parents go through of these foster children. They talk a lot about the court process. But one of the crazy things that I always thought when we were getting licensed is that I had questions, right? Mm -hmm. I always am trying to do research and figure out what the heck's going on and how I can best be prepared. Well, a lot of times during that training, and I understand it now, <laughs> but then I would ask and they would say, yeah, it's just a case by case basis. Mm -hmm. And I would always be frustrated. I'm always like, why is every single answer? It's a case by case basis. And then we get our first call for a placement and we're like, okay, well, that's super unique. We get another call that was super unique. And then we get our actual first placement. And it's like, okay, well, none of these things were the same. So I totally get it now. Dan, I'm sure you experienced some of the same things. Absolutely. I mean, we got our very first call and we had to decline it. And it was a very scary situation that was happening. 
And so we either had to make a decision right then and there. Um, and it was for two kids and we weren't able to take two kids with, um, our, our situation with our housing. And so, um, our very first call, we like, we were broken, but it was definitely a special case. Um, and so it was tough, but then the next call is our placement we have now and we've had her for over two years. So, and let me, uh, so I'll share a little bit. I don't think this is sharing too much. I think we're allowed to share these because mm-hmm. so, I don't know anything about this kid now, but the first call that Emily and I got, and so we have little ones. And one of the things that we had said was that, look, we are okay with taking really anybody as long as they're not violent to little kids, because we do want to protect Jackson and now Judah. And so we don't want that to be an issue in the house and cause any type of division. We don't want to have to disrupt. Mm-hmm. And that would be a thing for us and why we would disrupt. But this first call that we got, and just like you, we were heartbroken. I answered the phone. I said, hey, is this Josh? I said, yeah. I said, okay, um, we have a potential placement. We're, willing if, we're wondering if you were willing to take a 12-year-old transgender boy He's in the hospital right now for his second suicide attempt. He's shown violence towards little kids, and we think it's going to be a short-term placement, but it could turn long-term. And so after hearing that, I was like, I mean, my just now talking about it, I'm getting chills because it's like that was heartbreaking to me mm-hmm. to think about the trauma that that kid would have endured at 12 year old, 12 years old to be transgender, to be on their second suicide attempt, to be violent towards little kids, all of that stuff, you know, and and they don't prepare you for that in training. They don't prepare you for that first call. They always talk about it. They said it could come soon, it could come later, but they don't tell you what the details could be. And so for me, that really broke my heart. Yeah, I like to share a little bit too um about our call that we got cuz very similar to you. Same thing. Our first call, we didn't. Second call, I think we, that's a, that's what you guys did. It was your second call. Um, our first call was two kids because we wanted to do under our daughter, Olivia, under her age. So kind of let Livy be the big sis and let that happen. And we got a call for, um, I think it was a four-year-old and a two-year-old that had been just been beaten by their dad. And they were in the hospital trying to survive and they needed to get them out of this, out of the city. And it was it was a two hour away place, and they were trying to get them as far away because he was searching for them. And I'm sitting here, like all I want to do is be able to provide for this these two kids that need a safe home, that need a bed, that need food, that need love, and I couldn't I couldn't do it because we didn't have the space. And it just I mean, our very first call. What do we do that? Why can't we help these? Why can't we help these kids? Um. I never found out what happened. I don't I don't think I ever will. But I just know that I'll never forget that first call. Yeah, and it's such a crushing again, you don't prepare for that. Um one thing though that I think has helped us navigate some of that and a lot of the difficulties with foster care and now we'll kind of go into agencies and kind of the benefits that they bring. I do know that in Ohio and some counties, you are able to be a foster parent directly through the county. Um, But for Dan and I, we both go through foster care agencies. And the reason that we don't go through 
the agency that Dan does is because my wife works there. And so <laughs> we couldn't do that. That would have been our first choice. But um, I'll talk a little bit about ours. So we go through Beach Acres, and they have been absolutely fantastic in everything that we've done so far, so far uh, all with the, you know, kind of onboarding process to becoming a foster parent and being licensed to navigating some of those first calls. And especially once we got our placement and having an extra set of support uh, mm-hmm. between us and the county, because a lot of times the county caseworkers are so overburdened in their caseload. You know, we have one foster child in our home and our caseworker has to see her monthly, but they have 30 other kids mm-hmm. or more that they also have to see on a monthly basis and they have to care about their needs and they have to go to court for them and they have to possibly get them from A to B sometimes. So Absolutely. Let me ask you this real quick. Have you had any caseworker changeover? Yeah, so we had one changeover uh, with a caseworker that left that was with our uh, foster daughter for, I want to say, almost a year. It might have been like six months to a year. Uh, but the caseworker that we have now is absolutely amazing. You know, mm-hmm. they, it's funny, there's almost this stigma about the caseworkers and how they're non-responsive and they're so backed up and that, mm-hmm. you know, they're not available. Ours has been absolutely amazing. We can text her at any time and she's been super helpful in everything that we've needed to do. But mm-hmm. also having that caseworker at Beach Acres has been really helpful for the times mm-hmm. that, We've needed to communicate with the school or we've need to mm-hmm. coordinate transportation or anything like that, that we don't really understand how to do. So um, that's been the things that have helped me with, with our agency. And I'm sure focus has done the same for you. Yeah. We've um, through our County, we've had one changeover. Our first caseworker was amazing. I mean, just like you said, the same kind of thing. And um, you know, she ended up taking another job somewhere else to do kind of the similar thing in social work. But I'll be honest, you know, when things change, it comes with differences, and sometimes it's it's that stigma. And we've had now this caseworker for almost a year, and it's been very difficult. She's just oh, she's overloaded, and I mean, there's it's just so difficult. Now with our agency, we've gone through three now, and the reason oh, wow. is because of job changeover. You know, one of them had a baby. You know, that kind of thing. Um, why would they do that? Yeah, why would they have children? <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Um, but uh, super happy for them. <laughs> yeah. um, but at the same time, like, this is real life. This is part of the foster care world. You have to be ready for it. You have to be understanding. And you have to be willing to do whatever it takes. And Absolutely. so um, go- going back into the foster care agency, I'll talk real quick. I'm on Focus on Youth, um, where Emily, jo- Josh's uh, wife, is uh, what is her actual role there? What's her title? That is a great question. I know that she does a lot of the trainings. Right she, now. Does. she does we'll a lot of trainer. placement trainings and trauma trainings and stuff like that. She's a trainer, something. I like that. Yeah, a trainer, something. Yeah. No, um, I've actually <laughs> taken a few of her courses, and she does a fantastic job. Um, I was actually surprised because I was like, oh, it's Emily. Like, yeah, it's great. Um, but at the same time, like. We have a lot of the similar things with you guys at your foster care agency. You know, we did all of our courses in there, and they're just, they're great. Like, they are always willing, no matter what, to take care of 
everything that we need to do with our foster daughter. Like we need trans like transportation. They help provide that to visits to anything. And they're always there on court dates. And that's pretty awesome to have an agency that is there in between you and the county. And they're there to represent and be be someone for you and someone for like for the kid. And that's something that's great to have an agency in. Because if you don't have an agency, it's just you and the county. And there's no one there to back you up. So. Yeah, and especially with Dan and I being newer, you know, Dan, you've been fostering for two years. We've been fostering for almost a year. And so we don't know everything. Uh, and, you know, even if this was 10 years from now, I still don't think we know everything. <laughs> We'd still probably need that backup. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that's the that's the really cool thing with an agency. And the reason that we decided to go with an agency dis- besides through the county is that Emily had started working at Focus before we even got licensed. And so she saw a lot of the things that oh, county workers might have been unresponsive or uh, it was really hard to get these things done without an extra layer of support. So mm-hmm. that's one of the big reasons that we did it. And so – um, we'll move on here to our next topic and, uh, Dan, you can go ahead and start and let's talk about a little bit about how and why we got into foster care. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when I met my wife, we've been together for 18 years, been married for nine going on 10. So we've been together a long time. So we've had a lot of talks before we met our uh, freshman and sophomore year in high school and, um, you can do the math. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but we, um, she didn't really want to have kids. That was her like thing. She was like, I don't want to have any kids. And so we always talked about adopting. Like that was our like thing we wanted to do. We're like, we're going to adopt when we get older. We're going to do that. It's going to be great. And, um, you know, we just, we were ready to do it. And, um, you know, the Lord changed his mind and changed, not his mind, but changed her mind and her heart to, uh, want to have our own biological. And, um, so we had Olivia, and it was just, it was great. You know, we're like, this is amazing. She's so happy to be a mom, but she's like, I do not want to do that again. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I do want more kids. So how are we going to figure this one out? She's like, well, you know, we've always talked about adopting. And so, um, short story, I'll just make it a little bit shorter is, uh, I had a friend call me out and say, Hey, cause I told him, I was like, we decided we're going to start working on adoption. And he calls me out and he goes, why are you just going straight for adoption? A, it's going to be a ridiculous amount of money and time and all this stuff, but you could do so much if you were a foster parent. And I was a little upset. I was a little mad. I was like, why like, would you hey, say man. that to me? I had this great idea. And he's like, hey, dude, um, don't uh, do not do that. Right. You're like, I didn't come to you for advice. <laughs> yeah. Jerk. Um, but no, um, I, I left defeated. I left defeated in the, after that meeting, but God really like opened up my heart and, um, I got to explain to my wife, well, why we should be fostering. And, um, we had a couple friends that were in, uh, pre-placement classes at focus. And one of them was doing kinship care at the time. And we said, let's just go check it out. You know, let's just go see what it is. And, um, <laughs> we can get to this at another point, but our very first class for pre-place placement for us was, um, sex trafficking and sexual trauma. So that's for that's another, one. that's for that another part of one for our first, <laughs> first one. And they're like, we're not going to hold anything back. We're just going to say I, completely as it is. I'm like, if, if I remember right at focus, the trainer that gave us that class, I forget who it was, but she said, if this is your first class, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so 
you probably didn't get that. <laughs> but no, nah, they're yeah, just that, like, we're going to talk about this, and this is what it is. That's a rough one. Yeah, let's hear your story, buddy. Yeah, so you know, my wife and I have also been together uh, for a very long time, for twelve years, uh, not eighteen. I know you you guys win, but uh, you know, we've been together since two thousand nine, and in two thousand and ten, I believe it was, we took a trip to Mexico. When we were dating, both of our churches decided that we were going to go together. Emily kind of almost got it. Emily and I got our churches to go together, which was really cool. But it was at that trip, uh, we went with back-to-back ministries, and we were in Monterey, Mexico, and we were doing, yeah, we are, so our church has a, a partnership kind of with back-to-back, and they do some really awesome things mm-hmm. now. Um, but going back to 2010, we were down there working in some of the different orphanages that they had. Uh, we were also working, you know, different little projects that they had. There was a church down there that was building a water filtration system, and so we were down there helping out with that. But it was while we were down there that Emily and I noticed each other and how we were interacting with these kids. And one of the really cool things that I almost a a, kind of an analogy to bring out of this is that, you know, looking back, there's a language barrier, right? None of those kids spoke English and none of us really spoke. I didn't speak Spanish. I think I took like one year of Spanish and I can tell you what my name is in Spanish. That's about Hola. it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like that. That's about as far as I go. I need El Baño. Yeah. I guess I point <laughs> out your El Baño. Yeah. Where's the bathroom? <laughs> that, that is about my, my, my limit to Spanish. But looking back at that, you know, we were able to, interact with and have an impact on these kids by using our facial expressions, our body language, um, just doing things with them, standing alongside them, walking through, you know, we went through all these different fun things and played games with them and did all that. Fast forward to now with foster children, with trauma, sometimes it feels like you speak completely different languages Mm -hmm. because my experience in life and my perspective in the world is completely different than our foster daughter's experiences in life and her perspective on the world. And so sometimes I'll, I'll say something to her, or she'll say something to me, and we have no idea what each other is talking about. <laughs> but we work through it. Yeah, it's like, it's like, look, I have no idea what you're saying right now. I, who, who are you? <laughs> right. Like, I, I really feel like you're speaking a different language sometimes. But going back to when we were in Mexico, Emily and I noticed how well we were interacting with these kids. And so I remember on the flight back, we had talked and said, we should really do more in this area. Maybe it's adoption. Maybe it's being missionaries. We don't know what it is, but we know that some type of orphan care or something like that is in our future. And so we got married in 2015. And after that, we really started talking seriously about it. We moved back to Ohio in 2016 when she started working at Focus on Youth. And within a year, year and a half, we started the licensing process. And, you know, why we did all of this, again, just going back to seeing a need with children, wanting to help them see a healthier uh, family structure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God really broke our heart for that. And, and then we saw the need in our state and in our county mm-hmm. and in our city. Absolutely. And we were like, we can really make a difference here. And the cool thing about foster care, and you know, I didn't really think about, about this beforehand. I had a lot of different thoughts beforehand when Emily was trying to 
convince me to do foster care. It was like, I don't want to do that. That sounds like something I, I wouldn't be good at or something I wouldn't want to do. Um, but we eventually did get down that road, that route. But um, one of the things that is so cool is that you are making an individual impact on one family, mm-hmm. right? We're not making these huge waves. We're not going out into the world and throwing sandwiches at homeless people saying like, Hey, here's all this. Look at all this stuff that we did, you know, and not to say any of that is bad. I think Mm. all that is still awesome. Fantastic. But the thing I love about foster care is that it's one family and that's who you are solely focused on. You're focused on that foster child and their needs Mm. or foster children. You know, if there's a, if there's a sibling set and you're focused on that biological family and their needs. And so that's been a really cool thing, at least that I've seen over the past year, mm-hmm. that has really been different than what I thought it was going to be. Absolutely. You know, it, it really came down to us saying we really want to do the call, and that is to take care of the orphans and the widows. And now I think fostering and adoption fall right in line with what God was saying there. And when we felt that that tug on our heart to say, you know, it's our job as followers of Christ to take care of these people. That means bringing them into your home. That means give like we we always said we wanted to give a warm bed, a safe place, a place for these these kids or kid to feel loved, know what it's like to have a mom and dad that's there to love them just as they are and show them the love of Christ in in this whole process, you know, I always said, I was like, yeah, we'll do all that. And I want to make sure that they know that they can go to the fridge anytime they want. They can get a, (laughs) they can get a slice of cheese. They can get a cheese stick. They can have a, uh, some fruit snacks, whatever they want. Um, and it was always a joke, but like, you know, two years into it, I'm sitting here like, get out of the fridge, you know, Um, (laughs) but, um, at the same time, (laughs) go to your room, but don't take the food with you. Um, but at the same time, like we knew that that's exactly why we wanted to do it. We wanted to follow the call that God placed on our heart, and that was to take care of the orphans, the widows, the fosters, the kids in need. Yeah, and and same with us. That's you know we're right in line with that. And um, you know, Dan, when I learned that you were a foster parent, I was super excited about that. You know, I actually didn't even know that at first. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, we started going to the same church. I didn't know that, and Emily had mentioned it, and I was like, that's really awesome. And so. I'm glad that we have connected in that and also, you know, started Flexible Father. I think it's been really cool. Absolutely. And so with that calling, uh, you know, and I know you mentioned this earlier, there's over 1,800 kids in foster care mm-hmm. in Hamilton County alone. That's it. That's one county. That's a lot of kids. But across the U.S., 400,000 kids. There are 400,000 children in foster care in need of a safe place. Right now. Right, literally, right now, <laughs> probably more than that. Uh, you know, it is growing years. every day. It's insane. Um, but how many foster parents or foster homes? I'll say, does this does this does the stats say that we have yeah. right now in America? Yeah. So looking at the stats in 2019, that there was about 219,000, and then 2020 diminished a little bit, and then 2021, I think it's gone down even more. And so there is a slow decline. So so what you're saying is we have over half, <laughs> over half of what we need yep. to fulfill what, we, what has to happen. Exactly. And, you know, 
a lot of that, a lot of foster parents burn out in that first two years, mm-hmm. right? They, they get licensed, they're ready to go. They're like, <laughs> I did the training. I'm ready to do this thing. Let's do it. And, you know, for us dads, we get in there and we're like, oh, no, this is too much. <laughs> like, I'm not ready for this. Yep, I'm out. I'm done. Where's the game? I want to go watch the game. <laughs> right, let me go watch the game. I don't want to have to talk about why, uh, you know, our biological kid took our foster kid's toy and the foster kid resents them and is going to resent them for the next week. I don't want to have to deal with that. Yeah, we have and a lot so, of karate chopping happening in our house. So. It's <laughs> yeah. not good, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. We don't have that in our house. There's a pretty uh, there's a pretty large disparity in age. What, what is the age dif- like difference so everyone can know? Yeah, so uh, our foster daughter is 18, and then our oldest biological child is three. That's Jackson. Almost three. Yeah. It's and just so, 15 years. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Ours is, um, but, ours is six and four. Okay. Six for our biological and four for our, our uh, foster daughter. Yeah, and I'll say for that age, for, for you guys out there that are – interested in fostering teenagers uh, and you think it may be too hard or you've heard a lot of negative things about teenagers, go and do it and prove that wrong because (laughs) some of the things may be true, but it is much different than you would really expect it to be. Well, the movies portray it to be something totally different. Like, you know, talking with you and talking at the agency, there's a lot of times these, these like teenagers, they want to do good. <clears throat> they want to go to college. They want to break that ge- the generational like gap that's ha- that's happening because they don't want that. And you see a lot of these kids that end up wanting to go to college become social workers, and 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 turn and it's yeah. it's, it's just it's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah, and and the crazy thing is there you know there's this stigma about teenagers that oh well they're the bad kids they're the runaways they're the mm-hmm. ones that you know nobody wants so they stay at these group homes and we don't have to worry about them and they're just going to age out and you know some of them will still age out mm-hmm. but aging out in a home where they are focused on and their goals are are you know being valued uh, over others uh, that is is really what they need and so if you're thinking about fostering teens it is difficult but do it uh, fostering in general is difficult. And so that's one of the, the hard truths really about foster care. And, and one of the things that I think I might've said it earlier, but I don't think that we need more foster parents. I think we need more qualified foster parents. I think we need more foster parents. And this is why we have flexible fatherhood, more mm-hmm. foster dads that are willing to go out there, get extra education, learn how to parent kids with trauma and learn how to connect and build a relationship first so that we can make a bigger impact on these children's lives so that when Mm -hmm. they have families one day, their kids aren't going into foster care because that's what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of teen moms that are in foster care that have their kids and they can't take care of them. So their kids go into foster care and it's a horrible cycle. Absolutely. That's, that's one of the biggest truths is we need people to be more educated on what's happening. And that's, and you you just hit it exactly. This is why we, have created this whole thing is because we want to help educate, but also have a village and a community together that we can do this together because you're already in it. If you're in this group, you're either a a foster dad or B you're about to be a foster dad. And um, having that community and having that group to help educate you more, be there for you is so wildly important. Yeah. 
And so thank you all for sticking with us today. You know, we talked a little bit about what foster care was into the licensing process and fostering through an agency. Mm -hmm. Dan and I shared our individual stories on why we got involved. And then we talked about some of those crazy stats of 400,000 kids being in foster care and why we need more educated foster parents. And so we really appreciate you being here, taking the time out of your days to spend with us while we just talk back and forth about these things. And just remember, it is so important to get connected. If you are a foster dad, I want you to go to Facebook right now. I want you to search Flexible Fatherhood, find our Facebook page, and join our group. Come in there, give us a little intro about yourself. We'd love to get to know you. And the reason is not because we want to make this group massive. Mm -hmm. It's because we want anyone that joins us to have uh, a, a sense of community and support behind them. We want you to feel loved and supported. And we know a lot of times that without that community, you can feel isolated. And that's why we have so much burnout in foster care. And we need you. We need you to be a foster parent. We need you to step up and lead your families well in this. And the way you do that is with community and education. And so please check us out there at Facebook. Check us out on our other social media and on our website and keep tuning into these future podcasts. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Like Josh said, we will, um, if you come in there and you leave your name, leave a little bit of a story, one of us will reach out or both of us will reach out to you. We are so excited to get to know you guys. We cannot wait to get to meet you. Um, and we're just excited for what the future is of Flexible Fatherhood. Yep. Thanks again, guys, for being here. And this is Flexible Fatherhood signing off.